welcome to the Growth Adventure Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Appel. I am uh, excited to be joined today by Natalie Pipkin, who is the founder of Black World Schoolers. Natalie, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Well, literacy is absolutely a passion in our family, so I know we're going to go a lot of different directions with this, but just kind of as a very brief overview for our listeners, could you explain a little bit about your organization? Yeah, we're actually a bookstore. Um, Black World Schooler is a mobile bookstore. We are currently an online shop and provide pop-up shops throughout the city at different events, but we are um, currently working on creating a bookstore on wheels. So an actual like full-blown hardwood floor, seats, shelves, you know, even like music, like an ice cream truck. I say like bookstore with ice cream truck energy on wheels. So that was amazing because I was about to say uh, you describe your uh, soon-to-be mobile bookstore as a bookstore with ice cream truck vibe. So could you maybe share a little bit about what from a, a founder's journey? I know this isn't your first organization and we'll kind of talk about another organization a little bit, but could you maybe talk about the passion behind what got you started with the bookstore venture? Yes, absolutely. Everything I've created, it's all been centered around um, our homeschooling journey, home education. I don't believe I would have created any of these things. I would have even thought about creating any of these things if it had not been for us changing directions, deciding to homeschool. That's how everything got started. Just realizing once we came home and left the school system, that we had so much information at our fingertips. There were so many books that were being left out, so many stories that we weren't aware of so many stories that could help positively shape how my children were seeing themselves help just so many things imagination and understanding of, of their place in the world and how the world it, all kinds of things we were able to get a hold of all these books and we kind of felt deprived not kind of we definitely felt like wow this is something that not only were my children not getting in school I didn't get in school. My parents didn't get in school. My grandparents didn't get in school. So it was definitely one of those things like, man, from 1921, my grandma, right, to 2021, <laughs> us, we're still fighting the same battle of what stories are being told, what stories are being left out and why. So it definitely started from homeschooling. And outside of that, even though we had discovered this new world of books, these new these stories, and we were enjoying them, they, they became our curriculum. Books are our curriculum. That's where everything begins. It begins with a story, whether it's orally, a story we're being told or it's reading individually or reading together as a family our journey starts every day with a book and throughout the day with several books so the bookstore is just extending how we do life how we do learning to the world so online that's makes it nationwide the bookstore on wheels will allow it to be more personal so we can come to neighborhoods even surrounding cities and states and have those conversations like I have with my children and share those stories personally and recommend those books versus just dropping them off on your porch like other places, you know, typically do now. Uh, we want it to still be a personal experience and we wanted to make sure that what our children weren't getting in school, other children are. So we could have just kept it to ourselves and built our own little home library, but we knew the moment we left the school system that we wanted to stay connected to the children who were still inside. Yeah. No, and full disclosure, my wife runs a early literacy nonprofit and representation matters a lot to her in the books that, that she shares with their partners. But, you know, I, I think touching on that theme a little bit, this literature has always been out there, right? It's been, mm -hmm. it's been produced. It's amazing. They're great stories. And, you know, if, if you kind of take that extra step to go to the library, you can find it, right? But kind of when 
you touched on it briefly with the school system. I think, you know, and this isn't a political comment, but just the world we live in, a lot of times this is presented as a binary choice mm-hmm. that either you do this thing or you do that thing. And there's no, you know, there's no meeting in the middle, but there are so many amazing stories that are out there that if you go searching for them, you can find them. But to your point, aren't traditionally a part of the curriculum. And it's, it sounds like what you're saying is it's been an incredibly enriching experience, not just for your kids, but, but for you as well. Is that accurate? Oh yeah, absolutely. Learning alongside them has been wonderful. I think that's something that, that adults often miss out on. We want to be the all knowing. And then once we know we want to share, but being able to learn alongside them and be, be okay with saying, I never heard of that before. I didn't know about that has been amazing. But also, as you were saying with the libraries and even the bookstores, we were finding that, and not just finding, I knew that growing up, my mom, it's hard to even find these stories in the bookstores in the large bookstores. It's hard to find them in the library, even in the neighborhoods where uh, most represented would be African-American or other people of color. The books are still a small section in the libraries, in the bookstores. And what happens too, is when you're so used to seeing books that you're not in, you don't search because you don't even know they exist. So it's hard to search when you don't even know that it's the possibility there's something out there for you. It's hard to search when you don't even like reading because you haven't experienced a book that you can relate to and that you love. So you don't even go search for books because you don't really connect to them in the first place. So there's there's so much, you know, with that. I think the reading science would show that the earlier kids develop a culture of, of loving to read the stronger they perform academically over the course of their of their lifetime because it just fosters that intellectual curiosity. I mean, could you share, and I don't want you to share anything you don't feel comfortable, but just your own journey with your kids about kind of from the time that you decided to take them out of a traditional school system to homeschool and, you know, kind of that, that literacy journey to, you know, from where they were to where they are today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we left. My son was in. He did kindergarten in school, my youngest and my oldest finished third grade in school. Their journey. I mean, they knew how to read when they were in school. They read out of obligation at school. They weren't they they did everything they were supposed to do. They were model students, whatever that means, if that's really important. But they weren't whole people. The stories that they were hearing the stories that they were learning didn't help shape their identity or their knowledge of their selves, left them with lots of questions and no answers. So books at school, yeah, they did it. They did it fine. But when we came home and school was out, you weren't looking for a book to grab. You were finished with books. <laughs> Whatever the book assigned for you was for school, you read that and then it was over. They weren't interested in reading anything else. They weren't interested, you know, it's just like <laughs> school, you know, I already read that. I'm not, there's nothing else I want to read. So once we started homeschooling and we had been traveling, that's where world schoolers came from. Black world schoolers was the name of our like homeschool kind of family thing. And it was about, that's how we we're going to learn by traveling. We went to lots of museums, went to lots, you know, in and out the country, out of different states and things like that. That's how we would spark our learning. And we would visit a lot of bookstores during that time too. And that's when I start seeing like, oh man, there's so many books out here I've never, and a lot of them are independent. That's why you don't see them either. A lot of them are not major publishers. They're independent books too. So I'm like, wow, this is amazing. So when I start buying them and bringing them home, their love for reading skyrocketed. So although they were good at reading, their love for reading wasn't there because they would leave that at the classroom. But when we came home and 
their library reflected their interests, reflected their heritage, reflected, or even introduced them to things they've never heard of, they went from, you know, reading out of obligation to being flashlight under the cover readers, from being, I was telling my son, he just turned 12 in June, year 11 through 12, he read 40 chapter books, and that's middle grade and, and adult books, and that doesn't even count the picture books he read, because I believe picture books are for everybody. I don't think that's something that you shut off at seven or eight or nine. I feel like adults should pick up picture books because there's so many stories, again, that capture the essence of things we've never heard of. You don't have to read a 300-page novel to understand how Memorial Day got started, which many people don't know. But you can grab a picture book, read about 25 pages, get some pictures to even help you, you know, capture it better and know a piece of history that you had never been introduced to. So yeah, it definitely skyrocketed. Um, they recommend books to people. They're, they're excited about reading, excited about books because of that. I've witnessed that. And that was a big catalyst for starting this because I want that for all children. Well, I will echo your plug for picture books, regardless of age, because we have an almost 14 year old and she will still sit and listen when we're reading to, you know, our seven-year-old because it's, to your point, a good story is a good story. Yes. And, you know, the the pictures and the art sometimes are a huge part of telling that story. So Absolutely. And we love to be read to as adults. I mean, we listen to audio books. Like, being read to is important. Picture books are important. We love art. Like you said, all those things we still love. And I think that also plays a part in when children don't enjoy reading because we tell them, you can't read this anymore. You're at, you have to read that. You know, no one wants to be told that. That's like telling an adult, <laughs> you can't read, the, you can't read Time magazine. You have to read that magazine. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah, don't look at my stack of Us Weeklies here next to me. Don't judge. <laughs> right, you can't. Right. Remember you were a kid, they had highlights. You can't read highlights. You have three times. <laughs> like, who wants to be told that? You know what yeah. I mean? Because I, as I've seen with my own children, the more they love reading, the more they want to grow in it themselves. I didn't have to say, okay, read this middle grade. You're done with middle grade because you're 12. Go read this adult. He read whatever he was interested in, whatever I presented, whatever I'm excited about. Actually, on top of that, whatever I'm excited about, sometimes he'll read the book that I'm reading because I've talked about it so much. He'll read what I'm reading. And if he doesn't understand something, books are meant to be read in community. That's, that's a, a reality too, is that books are cool to read on your own, but they're meant to be discussed. They're not meant to be held captive. Like you're not supposed to read it and not tell anybody about it. You're not supposed to read it and not reflect and discuss. Like you're supposed to, because we all have different perspectives, you know, about what we're reading. Yeah, well, I think there are probably a number of adults listening to this podcast who at some point have participated in a book club and took a lot from it. So pivoting a a little bit, though, just to kind of your own personal journey. So Black World Schoolers is not the first entity that you founded. I know you founded another similarly related educational, cultural focused nonprofit a few years back. Could you maybe share a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm also a, I'm a drummer. Like that's, yeah, I'm a drummer and a reader. I'm a, I'm a drum facilitator, a drum circle facilitator. And I founded the Pulse Project Indie uh, about three years ago. It's community drumming initiative for social, cultural, and emotional wellness and development. We bring 40, 50 large drums and percussion instruments and do in the moment music making with all ages. And it's, It's amazing. Just like books, the drums um, are all a tool for liberation, a tool for self-expression, a tool to build community, but also the cultural piece, the the part that connects 
to our history is just those things that I, I've noticed this afterwards. I didn't realize I was doing it when I was creating these different organizations. But when I reflect now, I'm like, okay, I've created things that were taken away from us at some point. And I didn't realize that until I just was, I don't know, maybe I was reading a book. I don't remember. But drumming was banned. You could get your hands cut off if you were of African descent in drum during enslavement. You could be killed. Reading, same thing. You could have your hands cut off. You could be killed. Writing, even sharing stories orally, communicating in community with people who are just like you, you could be harmed. So when I'm creating opportunities for community in discussion, when I'm creating opportunities for drumming, for reading, for learning to read, for discussing stories, for storytelling at all, I know that this journey was like, you know, it's supposed to happen, that it was something that was beyond and bigger than me because these are the very things that were taken away from people of African descent. So when I'm amplifying them, it's like a gift back. It's like, you thought you didn't like these things or you thought you weren't connected to these things, but let me tell you a story. (laughs) You know, in 1740, these are the very things that were taken away and they haven't really been given back to you. So since they haven't been, I'm gifting them back to you. I mean, so much of, of what you're talking about is inherently based in positivity, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's about embracing something. It's about celebrating something. It's about, you know, self-discovery, self-expression, and just Mm -hmm. what adult hasn't had a drum put in front of them, regardless of whether you're musical or not, that you haven't wanted to tap out a rhythm, right? So right. I guess when in your life arc, did you realize that creating these things is something that inspires you and gets you motivated and that you want to do these things? Because most people don't start one initiative in their life, right? And you've already started two in the span of four years. So I guess what I'm just curious from a personal side, when when did you recognize that that was something that inherently motivated you? Oh, wow. I mean, I've always those books. I mean, stories. I wouldn't even say just books, but storytelling has always been a part of my life. Books have always been a part of my life. Drumming. I mean, percussion in general, whether it's just been church or something, has always been a part of my life. But to be motivated to create something. I think those things that we enjoyed, again, things we were enjoying in our home, I didn't want to keep to myself. I saw how it was impacting. I saw how percussion was impacting my children. I mean, just the things I was saying for the organization, a tool for self-expression, having a a rough day, I can bring drums out. You know what I mean? And not even in that way. They actually have become gifted drummers just from being around drums for like their whole entire lives. You know what I mean? They have joyful spirits. And I think that's because of the heavy music we keep around. I think it's because of the stories we tell. I think all these things, the things that people struggle with. I'll say this. When I say there are things that have been taken away, those things have been to our detriment. Like, you know, that there's a saying, it's like, you know, a long time ago, the therapy was sun, drums, and community. And we're in Indiana, so you don't get a lot of sun in a certain part of the year. Yeah, we're in it right um, now. Yeah, we're in that right now. Drums, that's not a common thing. You know what I mean? When we come out, people are like, what's that sound? Who are these people? Where do all these drums come from? That's not a common thing, right? And community. You're talking about community in the middle of a pandemic. So the things we need the most (laughs) are often out of reach. You know what I mean? And in my home, we were able to create this world, right? 
that felt good, that was good, that was presenting good results. And it just wanted to share it with everybody. Everything that we do that works here, we want to share it. That's even how the platform itself started. Before a bookstore, we were just an online platform. I was a mom blogging and we had a, a hundred or something followers and I thought that was great because I was new to Instagram I don't know what this stuff is but now we're almost at 10,000 and that's because we've always been sharing if we're going to a museum you're coming with us if we have a new resource we found we're sharing it if we're there's something happening in the city that I think is cool we're sharing that you know what I mean if my kids have an interest or look what you know you know what I mean we've always wanted to share we've always wanted to share because we know that people think that their their the options are limited or feel stuck they feel like i'm in this place i can never do what they do it's like yeah you can because you really can create the world you want you may have to live in this space but you can also find this other space to create that suits you you know try your best to because this you know feeling stuck is not is not living at all you know and Wow. Feeling stuck is not living at all. Those are words to live by. So what I hear you saying is it wasn't necessarily that you were intentional about wanting to do these things. It was that you were following the things that you were passionate about. Is that fair? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I care about people and that's a big part. I I, I care about people. I'm not just satisfied with just me being satisfied. I'm not just satisfied with just my kids doing well. I'm not I'm not that's not content. And my kids aren't content with that. You know what I mean? So whatever we can do to um, impact people and more and more people every day, that's that's what we're going to do. But not at the sacrifice of ourselves, right? It's just like that <laughs> oxygen mask thing. Like we have to do it right here so we can have the energy and the resources and everything <laughs> to do it right everywhere else, to spread everywhere else. So we definitely take care of home first, but we spread it abroad. I'm not even going to try to paraphrase that because I couldn't say it better. So, <laughs> no. uh, because I do want to get back to talking about Black World Schoolers, we're going to pivot over to the lightning round now. So, we have plenty of time to talk about kind of what's next in the journey. So, there, there are going to be four questions here. There are no wrong answers, only long answers. Okay. <laughs> so, the, the first question is uh, What would we find on uh, Natalie's Car Radio? Oh my gosh, Natalie's Car Radio is. <laughs> it's so random. Oh, it could be John Coltrane, or it could be Queen, or it could be like Stevie Wonder. <laughs> Natalie's Car Radio. It can, it can you could find anything. You you'd be surprised. Eclectic sounds like the answer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so this is a dangerous question for somebody who is in the book business. But uh, what would we find on your bedside table? Oh, 10 books. <laughs> and I'm probably reading six of them at once and rereading three of them because I'm obsessed with certain books that like just make me feel good. So, and my favorite book is No Crystal Stair, The Life of Louis Michaud, who was a bookseller um, in Harlem, the largest bookstore in Harlem, New York at the time. So that's always there. I'm always reflecting back on that book. And Raising Free People by Akila Richards is always there. But yeah, there's always a stack of books because it depends on my mood. Well, it sounds like 10 books. It sounds like the stack is your bedside table. So <laughs> yeah, it looks, yeah, there's probably a cup on top of it. You're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So next question. This is, uh, this is a bit touchy for some people. Uh, cats or dogs? Dogs. There was no hesitation. None. I'm, I'm with you on that. So None. no offense to the cat people out there. All right. And the last one, this one's a, a bit more serious. What is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever been given? Take what you do best and do it for your community. Well, that sounds like the 
the guiding philosophy of your life with everything you've done thus far. So thank you. All right. So pivoting back to kind of where Black World Schoolers is at the moment. So, you know, as you you shared, your journey has been kind of being a online forum where you're sharing Mm -hmm. the things that you're doing with your kids to, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, it took me a while to find these things. I want to share these these books, these stories with the world. And so starting an online book presence, Mm -hmm. you know, you you now are moving to kind of the next phase, which is you're going to keep those things because those things matter and are valuable, but you're looking to truly take what you're doing out into the community in the form of a mobile bookstore. So I know that uh, with support from uh, Lauren and Drew Holiday, you were able to to purchase the bus, but uh, kind of talk about where you're going from here. Yeah. So we purchased the bus before the Lauren and Drew thing. So as soon as I saw the online store and I had a vision of a bookstore, that's how I do. I bought a bus <laughs> in the middle of the winter in Indiana with <laughs> when everybody thought it was crazy. I'm like, I see it. So I had I bought the bus before we were chosen for the JLH fund with the Drew and Lauren Holiday. Their contribution is a matching contribution to our current crowdfunding campaign. That will allow us to take the bus we already purchased and gut it out and create an actual bookstore on wheels. People often say like, oh, like a bookmobile from the library. Not quite. Because if you remember those, you walk on and you're kind of like in an aisle space and there's lots of books surrounding you. Uh, We definitely are creating a bookstore that you can sit in that you can spend time in that gives you room to just sit, read, relax, shop, all those things. So we're currently crowdfunding for that right now. Well, we have like, I think 10 days left. We're halfway towards our goal. And it's been excellent. I mean, I couldn't have asked for anything better. I mean, we just started this. It's just be a, it'll be a year next month when we, when we open the online store. So a year later, we're we're in phase two, which is awesome because it could be three years later or five years later. So we're definitely excited about moving from online to a mobile bookstore. And we're more excited that we don't just get to reach the Indianapolis area with the bookstore on wheels. We can travel to Ohio, Kentucky, you know, wherever we like to travel to reach whoever uh, we need to reach. So we're excited about the excitement it's going to bring, but excited about the people we're going to meet on the journey. So three quick follow-up questions. So we are recording this on November 17th. Your crowdfunding campaign comes up November 27th. Is that correct? Yes. And where could our listeners go to learn more or contribute if they want to? Yeah, for sure. I mean, during the crowdfunding campaign, you can follow us on Instagram and we have a link in our bio to contribute. And you can also visit our website, www.blackworldschoolers.com. And there's a donate button there. And even after the campaign, people can still donate through PayPal and things like that. They like to contribute to the renovation of the bus. We're also even have ad space available on the outside of the bus. So we have lots of options. People can always contact us if there's any unique way they want to contribute or want to learn more about what we're doing um, and share it with their community. Are we hoping to be able to see the bus out and about in summer of uh, 2022? Yeah, I mean, the goal is April to have this thing finished. There's actually a bookmobile day in April, believe it or not. (laughs) You learn something every day. Thank you for sharing. I know, right? Yeah. So we're hoping to be live for that. But yes, definitely the summer. But the goal is April. Awesome. Well, Natalie Pipkin, it has been a pleasure talking to you and a sincere thank you for giving kids representation in books to foster that love of literacy, because that is truly a lifelong gift. And just from an entrepreneur's perspective, just a sincere thank you for following the things that you are passionate about. So thank you for joining. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. 
Have a great day. 